We're ending this morning our time in the book of Daniel. I would like at some point to come back to it, but we looked at all of the narratives, the stories in Daniel, and now we're going to see a little transition. So if you continue in your own personal study of Daniel, you know that Daniel 7 is a time of transition, and we'll talk about that in a few moments. But I want to begin by telling you something that happened a number of years ago. A good friend of mine, I probably had been the pastor here maybe a year or two, wanted to come and visit me, and and he was struggling with something in his life and in his ministry. And in the midst of our conversation, I just asked this question, where are you shining your flashlight? And he paused and he realized that he was focused on all the wrong things. And I don't know what else we talked about that day, and he probably doesn't know what else we talked about that day. But a number of times he's come back to me and said, you know, that was really helpful for me to think about. My life is like a flashlight. I can't shine it everywhere. But if you think of a flashlight, it has a beam and it will go to one thing. And we get to choose where to to shine our flashlight every single day. That's a choice that you have as a Christian. God has given us free will and that's an amazing thing. Now, because we tend to focus on things that concern us so much, A lot of times we shine that flashlight on things that are very negative, things that are harmful, things that trouble us, and then we wonder why we get ourselves so down. So I'd like to just do a simple little experiment with you. Imagine you could go back to Valentine's Day 2020. Seems like such a long time ago, doesn't it? And imagine you could tell yourself something. What would it be? What would you tell yourself about this coming year because of course Valentine's 2020 we were all sitting around thinking okay there's a little virus is going to be around for a few weeks but everything's going to probably be back to normal maybe no later than certainly Palm Sunday or Easter was the latest that we were assuming anything was going to take place so where would you shine that flashlight where would you tell yourself to shine the flashlight if you said oh I know what I would do I would shine my flashlight on COVID-19 and the upcoming pandemic and just how bad it was going to be. Think about this. You couldn't have done anything to stop it anyhow. You could add every bit of information you have right now. You could have all the knowledge that you have and guarantee every one of us, whether we're watching at home or we're here in the sanctuary, every one of us knows so much more about COVID than anybody knew last year at this time. But even if you had that knowledge, and you focused on that, and were obsessed over it, and you knew everything that you know, there really wouldn't have been anything you could have done. You, there's no way you could have like changed world events and gotten people's attention. Maybe that would make you feel better to say, well, I knew things earlier. But if that's all you focus on, and that's all we can focus on, we start realizing that that's why we get pulled down in our life. Because it is so easy to get conditioned to worrying about the next thing, worrying about something that's a big problem, focusing on it, that it takes all of our mental and spiritual energy. In Daniel chapter 7, if you read the book, and I hope that you have read through it sometimes and spent some time in Daniel, you'll notice that in the first six chapters, it was all third person. It was describing a story in which Daniel was living faithfully, in captivity in Babylon. Now in chapter 7, the text changes from third person to first person, 
as Daniel starts telling about visions that he himself saw. And it's not chronological. It's not like chapter 7 is later than chapter 6 in the way the events took place. In fact, chapter 7, you'll see, takes place much earlier. But now, having told these stories, now Daniel goes and he tells these visions, these insights that he's had. When we get to chapter 7, Daniel is age 68. I'm 61. That makes him seven years older than me. He's been in captivity since he was 16 years old. As a young man, he was taken captive by the Babylonians, and we know that early story in which he was challenged to eat and drink things that were against his faith. We read about that in chapter 1, and he learned to say, no, I'm going to trust God. And of course, he trusts God over and over and over again. So by the time we get to him in chapter 7 and his vision that he's talking about, he has some wisdom that he'd like to share with us. And think about that. Think about somebody who's had life experiences. Somebody recently told me that they were telling a young person you know, you should consider yourself fortunate. Look at the world events that you've lived through. Think of how much wisdom and experience you've already learned as a young person that years later you'll be able to share with others. That's where Daniel is. He's an old man who's lived through, well, he's not too old, old compared to when he was 16, but he's an older gentleman and he's wise and he helps us understand how we should face the problems and the difficulties in this world. He begins by telling us about in this vision that he has in verses 1 through 3, these beasts that he sees. It says, in the first year of King Belshazzar, Daniel had a dream, and in my vision, he says, at night, verse 2, I looked up and there before me were four great winds of heaven churning the great sea, Four beasts, each different from the other, came up out of the sea. Daniel couldn't stop those beasts. Remember, he sees these things that are going to take place, but he's powerless to prevent them. But he knows that there are these problems and these things that are going to happen. Sort of reminds me as he's telling this story of this vision he has of my own father. My dad was... Later in his life, and I was a young man, I was in my early 20s, and my dad would pull me aside and said, you know, Stan, let me share with you some things I've learned over life so that I can impart the wisdom of what I've had on you. And one of the things is much like what Daniel, I believe, is helping us see here, is there are problems, there are beasts, there are things that come at us, there are difficulties that happen in this world, and you can get through them by faith, and you will be okay, and you can persevere, and God is bigger, and don't let them overwhelm you. Daniel says these beasts don't come from any place, but he sees these beasts coming out of the sea. Now, there's a reason for that. In the ancient world, the sea was seen as the place where everything evil and awful took place. And we believe that that's because they would send out ships. And remember, in the ancient world, they had no concept of the world being round. And so they would send these ships out, and they didn't know what would happen to them. They thought maybe this big leviathan, this big beast, would come up out of the water and would swallow these ships because they wouldn't come back. And so there was this fear of the deep and the water and the place out there. This is not the point of my message, but that's why in Revelation 21, 
the verse one that troubles so many Christians when John says he has his vision of heaven and then he throws in there and the sea is no more. All the stuff that we're afraid of, all the places where evil lurks, all the place where the beasts can come after us to the people in the ancient world is done away with because with God, there's peace, there's love, there's joy, there's happiness, there's safety and there's security. But Daniel isn't seeing a time when the, bee, the, the sea is no more. He's seeing a time in which these beasts are coming after him. One, he says, looks like a winged lion. One looks like a bear. One looks like a leopard. And one is a monster with ten horns. Now, it's interesting. As he's talking about these beasts, he's seeing kings that are, are going to be on the horizon and, and these Countries that are going to come to power that are going to threaten the people of Israel. But that image of the beast is something that's fascinating. Because what Daniel helps us see that he observes in this vision is there's always going to be another beast that's coming. No matter what. There's always going to be one more. So we can look at the pandemic as a beast. Think of it in that terms. And we're going to talk about that more. Well, if it's a beast, guess what? It's not the last one. Hate to tell you, if... If we're hoping that this is it and, you know, the kingdom of God comes at the end of of going through a pandemic and everybody gets along with everybody else and all of the nation's wounds are healed because we faced a beast and and we hopefully are getting through it and will eventually be through it. Well, according to Daniel, there's going to be another beast on the horizon. Then there's going to be another beast on the horizon. Then there's going to be another beast. Now, is that pessimistic? No, that's realistic. That's life. That is how life is. Families experience the same thing, where they go through something and, and they have a health concern, and they're just so concerned, and then the person gets through the health concern, and they get to work. I know this personally from a family member. They lose their job. You go, how in the world can that happen? I just, like, face something difficult. But life has a way of doing that to us. And if that's all we focus on is the beast and the next beast, and we're concerned about the next beast, and we want to understand the next beast, we'll literally drive ourselves crazy. So this morning, I'm inviting you to trust God and to know that he's in control and that his son is victorious. And that's really ultimately the point of this passage. The beasts will keep coming. They're going to be there in your life. And forget the pandemic. I'm sure there are many who are watching this message at home and are thinking, well, that's not the biggest beast in my life. This is. There's something else that is a bigger concern to me this morning. Well, here's the first simple point. There will always be another beast. You see, that's because we live in a fallen world. The Bible teaches us that sin is a reality, and and for all of time, as we've known it, we are created in God's image, and we are created out of God's love. But we're sort of like an etch-a-sketch in which a perfect picture has been drawn on the etch-a-sketch. Do you remember them from when you were a child? And somebody took the etch-a-sketch and they shook it a little bit, and you can't really go back and put it back perfect. And as much as we want to, we can't. And that's the best description I've ever had of the fallen world that we live in. We look at so much, and it's so great, and it's so awesome. But then at the same time, there are beasts out there. And one more thing that becomes a problem, and one more thing that becomes a difficulty. But fortunately, the beasts don't have the final answer, do they? Because we serve a risen Savior. That's why, again, we're going to be talking about that in the next few weeks as we transition into 
Christ choosing love and choosing to love us and choosing to forgive us and choosing to give us a purpose and choosing to give us the Holy Spirit to get us through no matter what difficulty that we face in life. For Daniel, the beasts were kings. Now, it's interesting that nobody really knows what kings he was talking about. There's at least five that are, are thought of, but there are only four beasts, so we know it. We don't have them perfect, but there were the Babylonians who were in charge, and then there were going to be the Medes and the Persians and the Greeks and the Roman government. And in all likelihood, they were referencing in these beasts of these nations that would be coming after Israel in different capacities. But look at how he described each of them. The first was a winged lion. In other words, uh, think of a beast. One of the beasts in our life or one of the beasts in the world is like a winged lion, something that's swift and hungry. Forget about nations that were attacking Israel. Today, a winged lion could be financial problems that a family has that just swiftly sweeps through a family and devours them. And they say, how in the world did that happen? One day, everything seemed like it was okay, and all of a sudden, things started crumbling so rapidly. The second one is a bear with a large teeth. And again, I don't know exactly which nation this would have been referring to, but I think that's a perfect example of addiction today, of how addiction can just rip through and devour an individual and their family, and how the, the torment of addiction isn't just an individual problem, but it can do so much more damage, like a bear with large teeth, or a four-headed leopard. I thought there of our pandemic how it attacks swiftly from different, different directions. Again, hear that image. He talks about a four-headed leopard, swift and able to attack from many different directions. How many times have we thought, oh, look, things are going really well here, only to hear that there was a test of a vaccine in South Africa and it didn't work and they had to shut down the, the use of the vaccine and... Things start going down till all of a sudden they start coming up and it's like all over the place and people are like, how do I get control of it? Well, I can't have control of it. I don't get control of the beasts. That's why I trust in God. Or the last beast that Daniel talks about is an iron-toothed beast with ten horns. I thought there, again, not just of a nation that he's talking about in the ancient world, but how about health problems? that attacks from so many different directions that when a family is going through health issues or somebody is dealing with health issues, they start dealing with one thing and then pretty soon the medicine that they're taking causes another problem and pretty soon they're like, how many places can I be under attack from? Well, we can spend our time and energy trying to figure out the next beast, but all that's going to do is drive us nuts. We can spend our time focusing on the beasts in our life and being obsessed with them and saying, I can't not believe that this has happened to me or I can't believe that this has taken place in my world. I cannot believe that this beast is living today. But if that's all we do, we're living into the problem and not into the solution. And Daniel wants you and me to live into the solution just as he did with the people of the first century. Now, next week, you'll be able to say it in person. But if you're sitting at home, do I get an amen? Amen. God wants us to live into the solution, not to just be focused with the beast. And if you look at our nation and you look at people, we have become so obsessed with only focusing on that which is negative and that which can cause problems. If you don't believe it, turn on the news today and you're not going to hear anything positive about anything. You get to the point of saying, is, 
Are things really that bad? No, they're not. Even Daniel wanted to understand. He talks about that later in verse 16. We all want understanding. But it's not really understanding that we need. It's really faith that we need. It's not really knowing one more thing about something. It's rather knowing we're going to be okay and we're going to get through it. Tell somebody a problem. You can just do it as a, just as an experiment. Just sit down with a friend and say, you know, I have a problem in my life. My shoulder aches. And look how quickly they pull out their smartphone and go to Google and try to get you the answer. We do it ourselves. We just analyze and focus on the problems constantly. Now, medicine, medical doctors will tell us that the vast majority of time that we do that, all we're going to do is get ourselves the wrong answer and get ourselves more upset, but we still do it because we keep focusing on the beast. Make a big problem. Talk about some big health issue that somebody has. Quickly, they go to a Google search. As if somehow, sometimes I want to say to somebody when I am talking to them and they pull out their phone and they do a Google search and they give me the answer, I want to say, wow, I have never heard of Google. Is that something new? We all know it anyhow. But we have this overwhelming need to have knowledge and information of things that we do not know and we're not going to be able to know. Let's go back to the very first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis. And we have Adam and Eve, and they're in the garden, and life is going pretty good. There is no sin, there's no pain, there's no harm. And Satan comes to them in chapter 3, verse 5. And what does Satan say? When you eat from this fruit, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good from evil. They were tempted with the same thing that we get tempted to. Trying to understand the beast, trying to know one more thing, trying to be able to say that I know something that somebody else doesn't know, or I know more than someone else, or I have things figured out, always being frustrated. How many times do I talk to people where they want to meet with me, and they say, all I want to know is why this happened, and my answer so often is, you may never know. There's some things in life, there's some beasts that we will never fully comprehend, we will never understand, and that's okay because we don't live and get better in our life by just focusing on the problems. We get better by focusing on the solution, which is why the text doesn't end with verse 8. But then we start realizing that there will always be another beast. We can't just be obsessed with that. But peace comes through faith and not the absence of a beast. Peace comes through faith, and not the absence of a beast. Oh, we all like to think, if I could only go back to Valentine's Day last year and tell myself everything and have it all figured out, I would have had a better year. Not true. Last year, when we were at Valentine's Day, we all had our own problems. We all had our own relationship issues. We had our own fears and insecurities. We had our own health issues. We were divided as a nation. Life wasn't somehow perfect before the most recent beast came on the scene. And it won't be perfect after this beast is off the scene. Because life doesn't get perfect because of the absence of a beast. There's always going to be one out there. There's always going to be something else in our life, in our kids' life, in our families, in our community that we struggle with. 
which is why Daniel continues. And he tells us in verses 9 through 12 to get our focus off of the beast and get it on to the Ancient of Days, which is God. He says, as I looked, thrones were set up, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. Thousands upon thousands attended him. Ten thousand and ten thousand stood before him. And the court was seated. The court was seated and the books were opened. And I kept looking until the beast was slain. This was a foundation for Daniel, and it is our foundation through Scripture. That Daniel sees God as the ancient of days, the wise one who's been around forever, who created it all, who is as timeless as the days are who was and is and will to come forever and ever. And where does he see the solution? In focusing on God, not focusing on the problem. I think of Jesus when he's on the Sea of Galilee. It's a wonderful story. He's out on the boat, and it's almost comical. He's there with all these trained fishermen. So if a storm arises, they're the ones who should be able to be okay because they've got the experience. But instead, there's a storm on the sea, and they're all frantic, and they're all convinced that they're going to die. And where's Jesus? He's asleep in the back of the boat. Sunday afternoon, and he had a good dinner, and he just wants a nice nap. They're focused on the beast. We're going to go down, they say. Jesus, wake up. Do you not care that we're all perishing? And of course, Jesus says, peace, be still. And then asks these words. You have little faith. Why were you so afraid? Why are we so afraid when we face another beast? We faced it before in our life. Daniel, at age 16, saw his first beast probably when he was taken captivity into Babylon. And now he's 68 years old. And he's certainly had his struggles throughout time. He's seen his friends thrown into a fiery furnace. He's seen his family ripped apart. But he's known he can get through it all with God's help. We've been through it before. We get through it again, time and time again. We face these struggles in our life, and we face turmoil, and, and we trust God, and we get through it, and the next thing comes up, and we just get ourselves like the disciples on the boat, all worked up again, rather than saying, wait a second, let's have trust. Let's focus on God. Let's put our relationship with God center stage in our life and get to know God better. Because Focusing on the beast results in fear. Focusing on God gives us peace. Amen? Y'all said amen at home again. I could hear it. Focusing on the beast gives us fear. Focusing on God gives us peace. So how are you building your relationship with Jesus? How are you bringing Christ into your family, into your problems? I'm not going to ask you how to solve your problems. How are you bringing Christ to your problems? If you're concerned with something at work, how much time are you spending praying for the people at work? If you're having a difficulty in your home, how are you bringing Christ into that situation? How are you making sure that Scripture is center in your life? And how are you making sure that the Holy Spirit is working in your life so that you can trust and believe that you have God's words as you speak? I wrote about it this last week in Encouraging Words, but years ago I was a young pastor in Lowell, and I was just in and then very shortly fresh out of seminary. And I met with these older religious leaders. We had a, 
a council of churches it was great had all the different denominations represented and we had all of these meetings and they used to be once and twice a month and inevitably the same issue always came up housing is a problem for the city of lowell it's a major problem now this was probably at the beginning and when homelessness was starting to get worse and so maybe i wasn't as aware of it at the time but i remember just going to meeting after meeting and we would spend half an hour 45 minutes talking about all the problems with homelessness and housing in the city of lowell and how much of a problem it was and how it needed to be eradicated and i would say what are we going to do about it oh there's not much we can do about it but it's a problem and it's serious and and the whole society needs to change and finally i said you know there's this guy jimmy carter you might have heard of him he's a former president of the united states but i saw in the front of a newspaper he's building houses with something called habitat for humanity and time after time i went to meetings and i raised my hand and i said why don't we start a habitat project in lowell and the older experienced wiser people said no why would we do that no, there's major problems here and all you're wanting to do is a habitat project. I finally got so fed up with everybody only focusing on the problem that I got a hold of a friend of mine, Don Holt, and he and I went for training in Albany, New York, and we came back ourselves and we started a habitat project, which I've been told is the largest habitat in New England, which is kind of cool. But you know what? I wasn't able to be any part of that. I was only able to get it started and get the first meeting going and getting it happening. But I realized I don't want to focus on the beast all the time. I don't want to just sit around and talk about how housing is a problem. I'd like to look to God, to God's solutions, and what does God tell us to do, and how do we live by faith? And I remember being petrified when we called our first meeting. We had it at a place we used to call St. Zayers. It was a Baptist church. It was in the middle of the Zayers parking lot in downtown Lowell. And we had it there because Don and I were both Methodists, and we thought, we don't want this to look like a Methodist thing. So we spent a whole year talking to people about how we were going to start this Habitat project. We were on the radio. We were in the newspaper. And I kept thinking, I wonder if anybody's going to come to our meeting. And then we had the meeting. We had it at the Baptist church, so it didn't just look like it was a denominational thing. And 80 people showed up, and I thought that was pretty cool. I was like, wow, God's working here. And we did our presentation, which was nothing more than a rah-rah presentation. We're going to build houses. We're going to do something good. God's in the midst of it. And then I stood up, and I said, and now you all have a responsibility. There are tables in the back, and you all get to go back and sign up for a committee. And I stood there and prayed, Lord, please let them go sign up. And every single person turned around, and they went, and they signed up. And Habitat was born. Not because I was obsessed with the beast, but because even as a young man, I realized that peace comes through faith, not the absence of the beast. Guess what, folks? We did not solve the housing crisis in Lowell. But we made things better, and we helped families, and it made a difference. So that's why I come back to the question at the beginning, where do we shine our flashlight? Let's shine our flashlight on Jesus. Let's shine our flashlight on our Savior. After all, he's the final answer. If we start building our relationships with Christ, we'll have personal peace. And if we can help others build a relationship with Jesus and just tell them who Jesus is, we don't need any of this religious stuff. I'm not talking about any kind of churchy things. I'm literally talking about a relationship with Jesus. Help people understand the importance of talking to Christ. They don't have to go to our church or anybody else's church. Let's just share Christ with people and tell people what he's done for us. That's what 
We read at the beginning of the, the message. Alona read it. In my vision at night, I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man coming with the clouds. He approached the Ancient of Days and was in his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and people of every nations and every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will not be destroyed. Daniel literally saw the Son of Man. We know him as Jesus. Lent begins this Wednesday, and it's a time to repent and trust in our Savior. You see, repentance is not a one-and-done thing. It's a constant thing. It's constantly, where do we shine our flashlight? Who do we put our flashlight on? Years ago, I was a young college student from North Dakota, where it's flat. And I was out in California, in Lake Tahoe, where... There's mountains, and I'd never climbed a mountain before. So I was with some friends of mine, and we were climbing Mount Talac. Fortunately, we had flashlights because we stayed up too late in the mountain because it was so beautiful, and on our way down, we got lost, and we were in the middle of the woods. Now, there were all kinds of things that were around us that were scary. There were cliffs and drop-offs. You can read about Mount Talac. To me, as a kid from North Dakota, it was a huge mountain. I might as well, might as well have been on Mount Everest. This place was so big to me. But finally, we found a trail, and where do you think we shine our flashlight? Do you think we held it out to look at all the danger out there, or did we keep it right on the trail in front of us? We choose where to shine the flashlight. Jesus is the way. He tells us that. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Shine your flashlight on Jesus. Focus on Christ. When you get discouraged, when you get disturbed, when you've got problems in your life, when the beast is coming, when you're afraid of the next beast that's coming, when you are like, I want more understanding, I get why Adam and Eve wanted to know everything, remember, they never did know everything, and neither will we. We can't know it all. But we get better. We can know Jesus, and we can, we can have peace. That's what I invite you as we go forward. Let's repent of all the times that we think we have to know it all or know more than someone else or have something figured out or, or have it controlled because all we do when we do that is make a bigger mess out of things. And let's think of Daniel, age 68. As a 16-year-old, he was taken into captivity and he faced it all. He faced stuff that, folks, we have not had to face because none of us were grabbed by the Babylonians and taken to another country and told that we have to learn a completely new culture and everything different. But what did he learn? He learned to trust God. And he learned that no matter what life was going to throw at him, he was going to get through it, which is the same for you and me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, there are many beasts that are represented in our congregation, in our community, in our state, and in our world. We can spend weeks talking about them and focusing on them and dissecting them and trying to understand them better, and we never will. Or we can trust in you and shine our flashlight on something that will give us peace in our life. Help us do that. We thank you for your faithfulness to us. We thank you for your faithfulness to Daniel. He lived. He survived. He got through it. Church and Hebrew tradition tells us he lived until he was well into his 80s. He never got out of captivity, but he was out of captivity because he had a relationship with you. Because they could take him physically and move him somewhere else, but they couldn't change him spiritually because he trusted in you. Help us to do the same. 
whatever bothers us in our life, whatever has overwhelmed us, help us repent and turn away and know that you are the sovereign God who's got us through before and will get us through again. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.